blessing going through the book of Acts. I, I've loved going through it. It's a, a tremendous blessing to see how God has just uh, inspired His Word. And as we go through it, just the, what He teaches us and uh, what He wants us to know all the way through it. And uh, we have been going through uh, Acts all the way starting in chapter there, number one, where it said, Ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And uh, without the Holy Ghost of God in our life, we can't have the power of God upon our life. And so we want to make sure, uh, first off, that you're saved. You know, that was the biggest key is you got to be saved in order for the Holy Spirit to indwell you, right? Uh, and so if, you don't, if you're not saved, you can't access the power of God because you don't have the Holy Spirit of God living inside of you. But he said that they will receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon them and they shall be witnesses unto him both in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. But then he told them to tarry in Jerusalem. And uh, there was a reason for that, because in order for us to experience the filling of the Spirit of God, we have to have a body and a mind that's prepared to receive that filling. And uh, it said they were all in one accord, in prayer and supplication. And uh, that seems to be a common thread that we find through the book of Acts, is how before the power of God really fell down, prayers went up. And uh, that's kind of where we're at here in Acts chapter number 12. Uh, in Acts 11, we spoke uh, two Wednesdays ago out of Acts. Last week, we uh, briefly touched on the birth of Christ and uh, because of Christmas time. Uh, and it, what a joy it was to be in the house of the Lord for that. But we preached, what kind of believer are you? Uh, went through Acts chapter number 11. And uh, it said, as they in verse 26 of Acts 11, it said, And when they had found him, he brought him unto Antioch. And it came to pass that... Uh, the whole year, they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people, and the disciples were f called Christians first at Antioch. We talked about the difference between being a believer and being a Christian. Uh, you can be a believer and not be a Christian. To be a Christian means you're Christ-like. And uh, so we need to be, pattern our life after the Word of God, after Christ, so that we can be labeled as a Christian. And we ask, what kind of believer are you? Are you one that's just a believer in Christ? Or are you genuinely a Christian? And then in Acts chapter number 12, uh, we find ourselves here. Now this is Herod. Uh, this isn't the Herod that you know of that was trying to kill all the babies and get rid of Jesus. If you study the history and the lineage there of all of that, that's the granddad of this Herod that we're talking about. But it says in chapter 12, verse number 1, Now about that time Herod the king stretched forth his hand to vex certain of the church. And he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to, all, to take Peter also. Then were there the days of unleavened bread. And when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered, him, uh, delivered to him four uh, quadrants of soldiers to keep him, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Peter, therefore, was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. It said prayer was made without ceasing. Uh, a prayer meeting's taking place. Tragedy's coming. This is a, a time where uh, the church again is being persecuted. There was famine during these times. And now here Peter, uh, not only was James just killed with the sword, now Peter's put in prison. And uh, it's a low time for the church. And they thought, well, what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to go to God in prayer, aren't we? And so uh, they were in one accord in prayer, it said, and uh, without ceasing in the church, unto God for him. And I'm going to preach a message to you tonight that I've entitled, God Still Answers Prayer. God Still Answers Prayer. Let's pray, Lord, we love you. Thank you for the time. Thank you for the prayer meeting that we had tonight. Thank you for the blessing of your word. Lord, I pray that you'll help those that are sick, that could not be here tonight. 
Lord, please just uh, heal them up quickly. Get them back to church where they ought to be. Be with those that had to work tonight that could not be here. Lord, be with those that just chose not to come. Lord, I pray that you convict their hearts, show them their need to be in church. Lord, thank you for this lighthouse that you've given us to uh, be a witness and a testimony for you. And God, as we go to your word tonight, Lord, I ask you that we came with the intention of life change. That we came tonight to uh, leave out of here knowing you better than we did when we came. And Lord, I pray that you'll help us. If there's anyone here tonight that does not know you as their personal Lord and Savior, I pray they'll trust you tonight. And Lord, those that are saved, I pray that you'll encourage them to be better prayer warriors. And Lord, we sure need prayer. Lord, our country needs it. Our families need it. Our churches need it. And Lord, I just thank you that you're still a God that answers prayer. And Lord, I pray that you'll bless the word. Bless me as I preach it. Lord, use me as your mouthpiece. Hide me behind the cross. Fill me with your spirit. Lord, help Dan Caldwell not to be lifted up tonight or even noticed at all, but that you'll be glorified. Lord, we love you and we thank you so much for all that's said and done. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to ask you some questions tonight. And uh, out of verse number five, we're going to look here. It says, Peter, therefore, was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. I'm going to ask you some questions tonight about prayer. And we're going to use this passage of scripture to go down through. We are going to end up reading through it. Uh, I'm going to read through it. We'll probably jump back uh, up to the beginning. Uh, and then I'm going to ask you some questions about prayer. And then we'll get into what prayer is and different things like that. But there's some questions that we're going to ask about it here tonight that I believe is very convicting. It's something that as I went through here, the Holy Spirit of God asked me these questions. Uh, and I want you to think about these questions when it comes to prayer uh, in your life. But let's continue reading uh, before we jump back into it. Verse number 6. And when Herod would have brought him forth the same night, Peter was uh, sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains, and the keepers before the door kept the prison. And behold, the angel of the Lord came up upon him, and the light shined in the prison, and he smote Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise up quickly. And his chains fell off from his hands. And the angel said unto him, Gird thyself and bind on thy sandals. And so he did. And he saith unto him, Cast thy garment about thee and follow me. And he went out and followed him and wist not that it was true which was done by the angel, but the, uh, thought he saw a vision. And when they were past the first and the second ward, they came unto the iron gate which leadeth into the city which opened to them of its own accord, and they went out and passed through uh, one street, and forthwith the angel departed from him. And when Peter was come to himself, he said, Now I know of a surety that the Lord hath sent his angel, and hath delivered me out of the hand of Herod, and from all the expectation of the people of the Jews. And when he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together, Praying, And as Peter knocked on the door of the gate, a damsel came to hearken, named Rhoda. And when she knew Peter's voice, she opened not the gate for gladness, but ran in and told how Peter stood before the gate. And they said unto her, Thou art mad. But she constantly affirmed, she constantly affirmed that it was even so. Then said they, It is his angel. But Peter continued knocking, and when they had opened the door... And saw him, they were astonished. Now we're going to stop there for sake of time right now. We'll get into the rest of it 
as we were going. But I thought it was very odd here. Uh, they're going through a hard time, and they did what we're supposed to do, of course, when we have hard times, is pray. And uh, they began to pray. They gathered together in the house, began to pray for Peter, who was in bondage in jail, tied to two soldiers. And then there was a keeper at the gate. And uh, they go, and they begin to pray. They begin to talk to God, and God answers their prayer. And as God answers their prayer, even Peter himself at first thought, well, this is just a vision that he saw. But once he gets outside the gate and realizes he's safe and free from Herod, he's thinking, whoa, hold on a second. This wasn't just a vision. God just did a miracle. And Peter gets excited about it. And it's funny how Peter goes back to Mary's house and he kind of knows where to go when when he leaves there. He goes to Mary's house and they're all in there praying. He knocks on the door, and here comes little Rhoda to the door, and she hears Peter's voice. I can imagine her saying, who is it? And he says, it's Peter. And in all of her glee and joy because of what they're praying for, she goes running in there and says, hey, Peter's at the door. And Brother Guy, they're like most independent Baptists when we pray about things. You know, like, yeah, right, sure. Yeah, okay, I'm sure he's out at the door, right? They said, you're mad. She said, no, he's there. And they come, and they open the door, they see that it is Peter, and they were astonished. They were amazed at what God had done. And as I was reading through this, there were some things I began to think about and ponder about prayer. I got to thinking about Herod in this time. It just seemed like that lineage of Herod the king was just a brutal uh, leader. I remember uh, the granddad of this Herod was the one that was trying to kill Jesus uh, when he was in the in the grave and all the babies and then you had the one that killed John the Baptist had him beheaded and now here's this one this Herod has just had James killed with the sword and has Peter put in jail and uh, there's just a lot of things going on a lot of hard times and listen when you have a hard time you ought to pray you ought to go to the Lord but why does it take tragedy why does it take hard times to bring us to our knees why does it take hard times and tragedy to bring us to the mindset of prayer And as I was thinking about this prayer meeting that got called to order in verse number 5 of this chapter, it said, uh, Then Peter therefore kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church. And in verse 12, when he came back to Mary's house, it said that they were uh, were many were gathered together praying. So there has been a a prayer meeting now called to order. And uh, what made them get to that point, though? And that's kind of where I want to go starting in the introduction and and springboard into the message tonight. But uh, I asked myself this question, or the Holy Spirit asked me this question as I was going through it. And I mentioned the phrase already. First question is, what drives you to your knees? What is it that drives you to your knees? What makes you want to pray? Is it tragedy? Because listen, they were going through famine, they were going through persecution, they were going through uh, devastating times, dangerous times for them. The situation that they're going to was a dangerous situation. I mean, Peter was uh, uh, facing a a king that you just realized uh, was willing to kill somebody. He just had James executed, and now Peter, he saw the Jews really enjoyed that James died, and now Peter is next on the chopping block, as you would say, and uh, Peter's there. And listen, this was a dangerous time for them. This was a time that uh, would bring any of us to our knees in a dangerous situation. But why, again, why does it take dangerous situations? Why does it take tragedy times to bring us to our knees? We ought to have an attitude and a mindset of prayer. 
But as I was looking at this and I thought, what was it here in this passage that was bringing them to their knees? It was a dangerous time. It was an escalating situation. You think this situation wasn't getting any better. Uh, James had died, now Peter, and uh, only the Lord knew what was next. It just set seem like things were getting worse and worse and worse. And there's times in our life where we've had uh, difficult times in our life and it seems like we go to the Lord in prayer and the situation just gets worse. It seems like it escalates and this situation just grows just like it was in this passage of Scripture. And uh, it seemed like not only a, a dangerous time and an escalating situation, but an impossible situation. I mean, now here Herod is, or Herod has just uh, captured Peter, and he's got him with quadrants of soldiers around him, and he even ties them to the soldiers so that he can't escape, and uh, he's laying between two soldiers, and uh, it just seems like they wanted to make sure that there was no way he was getting out of there, and they even put a keeper at the gate, said, listen, if he does get by them by some reason, there's no way he's going to get by this keeper at the gate, and they had everything uh, in and of their own selves, Herod and all them in their mindset probably thought, hey, Peter secure he's not going anywhere and the the church i'm sure was thinking about this this is an impossible situation well we're going to the lord in prayer for peter but really uh this situation is kind of impossible and i know there's been times in my life that when i've went to the lord in prayer i i begin to think about the situation that was a pretty bad situation and it's a situation that's not getting any better and it actually seems like it's almost an impossible type situation And that's driven me to my knees before. And I thought, you know, I was a little convicted by that because I thought it shouldn't take those circumstances to bring me to my knees. I should go to my knees every day and talk to the Lord. So the first question was, what drives you to your knees? The second one is, how serious are you about the answer? How serious are you about the answer? Look at it says in verse 5, and Peter therefore was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing, of the church unto God. Listen, this was a sincere prayer. They were serious about what they were going to God for. You know, I think oftentimes we we pray not unto God, but unto self. You say, what do you mean by that? We'll go to the Lord and we'll start to pray some prayers, but they're those little uh, memorized prayers. You know, those little prayers that really have no meaning, we just say them because that's just what we know in our head, or we pray uh, of our own will, not God's will. You know, and there's oftentimes I think we go to the Lord and we're not really serious about the answer or serious about what we want God to do. We say we have an idea of what we want to do, of what we want God to accomplish uh, through all of that. It was a sincere prayer. When the Bible says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much, it said they prayed without ceasing. But that word fervent means to pray with intensely passionate desires. An intensely passionate desire. Listen, when you go to the Lord, it ought not to be some flippant little prayer. It ought to be a prayer that you're really trying to get a hold of God's ear. You're really trying to move the hand of God and the heart of God towards the situation. But they were serious about the answer. When they went to the Lord, they wanted to get an answer from God. They knew that there was nothing physically that they could do to help Peter. They said, the only thing I know to do is go to God. And you know what? There's circumstances that happen in the church and there's circumstances that happen in our life and there's circumstances that are beyond our control. They're impossible situations. There's situations that may be escalating and all of that. And there's nothing that you and I can do but pray. But we need to get serious about it. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. 
Brother Guy, I was convicted because I think we come to church on Wednesday night prayer meeting time. And I was convicted because I feel like some, some people, myself included, have done this. We come to church on Wednesday night, we get that prayer list, and the only time we ever look at that prayer list is on Wednesday night. Only time we ever really go to the Lord in prayer about these situations are when we're in church and there's people around us and they, we know that we have to pray for it because if we don't, people will think we're not spiritual. But let me ask you this, when we go to the Lord in prayer, do you go to the Lord in these prayer bulletins, do you take them and actually go to the Lord in prayer expecting an answer from God? Do you go to the Lord with sincerity and fervency in your heart when you're praying for these salvation needs of Michael Mass and Shirley Mann's son and uh, Judy Kogel and uh, unsaved family members that are in our church, Calvin and Donna, Brenda's daughter, Yudette's grandson, Freddie, Joe Morrison, Ed Winston, Sarah Myers, Roger's family, Sam Brown's family, Dalton, Stacy, Joseph, Clarissa, Fran, Aunt Carol, Elena's Aunt Wendy, Darren, Scott Honeycutt, Nick Ch- uh, Chafin, and Joe Simmons, Travis, uh, David Galepsky, and uh, Lindsay, uh, Angie, Sarah, and Ty, and you're asking the Lord to help save them and send somebody by their way that's going to give them the gospel, are you sincere about it? Do you really uh, care whether God gives them the answer or not? Is there something burning inside of you that you have a fervency about you when you go to the Lord in prayer? Not just them, but those that are sick in need with cancer. I think of Mary Tetrick, who's going, she's in stage four cancer right now, and her family members are in a, a low state. I wonder, do we really go to the Lord in prayer asking God to do a work through that situation? We asked many prayer requests tonight of sick folks in our church, people who are struggling with illnesses and all those things. Do we go to the Lord with a sincere heart asking God? To do what he can do. I think oftentimes we go to the Lord with pride in our hearts. Asking God to do our will. But Jesus being our example in everything throughout his life. As he was in that garden of Gethsemane getting ready to go to the cross. He said let this cup pass from me. But if not. Not my will. But thine be done. And I was, at, I, I was asked that question, what drives me to my knees and how sincere or how serious am I about the answer? And then I was asked this question, Brother Richie, was why do I struggle believing? Why do I struggle believing? Look at verse 11. And when Peter was come to himself, he said, Now I know of a surety that the Lord has sent his angel and had delivered me out of the hand of Herod, and from that expectation of the people of the Jews. Peter himself was struggling believing the situation. But not even him. Jump down to verse 13. And as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a damsel came to hearken named Rhoda. And when she heard Peter's voice, she opened not the gate for gladness, but ran and told that Peter stood at the gate. And they said unto her, Thou art mad. They didn't believe it. Why do we struggle believing? I want you to take your Bibles quickly over to Matthew chapter number 21. Matthew chapter number 21 and verse 21. 
It says, Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, if ye have faith and doubt not, ye shall not only do that which is done to the fig tree, but also if ye shall say unto the mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, it shall be done. In all things whatsoever ye ask in prayer, believing ye shall receive. That's the word of God. That's the Bible. A lot of times our prayer is accompanied with unbelief. We go to the Lord in prayer, and again, it's a, we, in our mind, it's an impossible situation. I believe that's what's taking place in this prayer meeting time, is they go to the Lord in prayer, and they're asking God to help Peter, but they really don't think it's going to happen. They really don't think that God's going to do a miracle. There's no way in their mind that they can conceive that Peter's going to get out of this. And they ask God for a miracle. They ask God to do something. And when God shows up and God does it, they were thinking, well, this can't be right. So why why do we struggle believing? I think there's some reasons I believe that we struggle with belief. I think the first reason is because God works in unconventional ways. You say, what are you talking about? See, in their mind, they weren't thinking that an angel of the Lord was going to come in there and shine a bright light. The, the chains were going to fall off of him. He was going to walk out of there and the gate was going to open by itself and he was going to walk out free. They weren't, in their mind, they were probably expecting the, the, the soldiers of that day or maybe Herod to have a change of heart and maybe release him. Or maybe they were thinking that uh, the soldiers would like Peter and try to help him escape or something of that nature. And uh, maybe they were praying for something like that. But I don't think they, they expected God to work the way God worked and I think oftentimes we pray with disbelief because God works in unconventional ways that aren't our ways his ways are above ours his thoughts are above ours and we can't really comprehend the reason that God does it the way he does it and uh, oftentimes we, we we have doubt in our heart because we think all the ways that we have tried to configure we went to the the paper man we wrote it all down any conceivable way to get this thing done just not possible and I think about situations that have happened in my life with my family and how it's been impossible situations how God has worked in unconventional ways and you know what there was a lot of doubt in our life a lot of doubt in our heart and just thinking how in the world is this going to ever happen and you go to the Lord in prayer honestly with doubt in your heart that's why he said Lord I believe help mine unbelief because we, we don't understand how God does things like that. And I believe the reason God works in unconventional ways is so that nobody can get the credit but God. That nobody gets the credit but the Lord. See, if God did everything we asked him to do the way we asked him to do it, we could say, hey, I came up with that idea. And boast in our own self and in our own prayers. But God works in ways that aren't like our ways. Unconventional ways. I mean, you think about Saul on the road to Damascus. And he's going with orders to persecute the church. And God, again, shines that bright light and knocks him off the animal he's riding and says, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he says, who art thou, Lord? And he has a change of heart on that road. Nobody expected it to happen that way. I'm sure that people expected maybe uh, uh, Saul to hear some preaching and uh, get his heart convicted. Listen, he'd already heard preaching. and He didn't like it. But it wasn't until God moved in an unexpected way to change his life around. I think about oftentimes how God, Jesus just spoke and things happened. 
the two fishes, the five loaves and two fishes, what miracles took place. They said, there's not enough food for anybody else. In their mind, they're thinking, how in the world are we going to feed all these people? And he gives, he blesses it and starts breaking it. And God doesn't, he works in ways that we don't understand. And I think part of the reason that we struggle with belief is because God works in unconventional ways, but we want God to work, but we want to have the explanation for why he does what he does. If we don't understand it, it can't be right. We want God to tell us why he's going to do what he's going to do. See, God never promised to do that. All God promised is that he'd have a plan and he'd have a purpose. And we have to trust in that. We have to trust in the fact that God has a plan and he has a purpose. I believe also another reason we struggle with belief is because our lives hinder God from moving. Our lives hinder God from moving. You say, what are you talking about? The Bible tells us if we regard iniquity in our heart, the Lord will not hear us. If we regard iniquity in our heart, the Lord will not hear us. Brother Jeff, I believe there's times God wants to move, but he can't. God wants to do something. And we're struggling with belief because we know what we're doing in our life that we're unwilling to get rid of. We know that sin that we've got in our heart, that iniquity that's inside of us, that we're unwilling to just release and give to God. And God's saying, listen, I want to move. I want to help you, but I can't. Because he said, if we regard iniquity in our heart, the Lord, it didn't say cannot hear us. It says will not hear us. I think oftentimes we're our biggest hindrance to prayer. is because we're just not willing to give, get rid of that which is hindering God from doing what God can do. Pride hinders prayer. God, the Bible says God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. I begin to ask myself this upcoming year of 2020 is, what kind of prayer warrior am I going to be? What kind of prayer life am I going to have? I know people have New Year's resolutions. Mine, Brother Richie, this year is to be more of a prayer warrior. That's what I ask God for this year. God, help me. To not regard iniquity in my heart. Lord, help me to have a burden to, to come to you in prayer. And uh, I, I just believe in Second Chronicles 7.14. And we're going to get to that here in just a few minutes. But the third question is, why do we struggle with believing? Because God works in unconventional ways. His ways aren't our ways. We always want an explanation from God on why he does what he does. And uh, our lives hinder God's, God from moving. But my last question before we get into the points of the message is this. What do you do when the prayer's over? When the prayer's been answered? What are you supposed to do? What do you do when that prayer's over? Look at verse 16 of Acts chapter 12. Verse number 16 and 17. But Peter continued knocking, and when they had opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. And he, beckoning unto them to his hand to hold their peace. I can just imagine right here them going, oh my goodness, it's Peter. And they begin to say, and he goes, hold on, stop, stop. Look what it says. And declared unto them how the Lord had brought him out of prison and said, go. Show these things unto James and to the brethren. And he departed and went into another place. What are we supposed to do when it's over? Rejoice. Rejoice. See, Rhoda, what happened when Rhoda came to that door? And she heard the voice of Peter. 
She had just been involved in this prayer meeting, hearing people pray. She heard Peter's voice, and she ran and told people about it. Peter's at the door. I mean, she was so consumed with the answer to prayer that she didn't even open the door. She was so excited about it that she just ran in and said, Hey, everybody, we're praying about Peter. He's standing out there. She was excited about it. And when they actually opened the door and saw that it was Peter... They were amazed. They were astonished by it. And they were probably trying to come up with reasons or things to say that maybe sounded super spiritual. And Peter says, hold on, stop. Go and tell everybody about what God did. Go tell them about what God did. So we're supposed to rejoice. We're supposed to rejoice. He said, carefully consider what God did. And look what he says. Go show these things unto James and to the brethren. And he departed and went into the house. You know, Peter was trying to let them know something, is that all the credit needs to go to the Lord. It's not about us. The credit goes to God. And so what are we to do when the prayer is over? We need to rejoice over it. We need to give God the glory for the answered prayer. And then we need to tell others how God works. Tell others how God works. Listen, that ought to be the order in which we do it, I believe. That's how it happened here. Rejoice over it. Just be glad in it. Give God the glory for it and then tell others about what God has done. That's how we're supposed to have this uh, in our prayer when God answers those prayers. Even though we have unbelief, God still works in mysterious ways. God answered those prayers. But I got to thinking about prayer and what prayer is all about. And I got to asking the Lord to show me some things about prayer. First, I want you to know tonight, prayer is powerful. It's powerful. You know why? Because of the object of prayer, of who we're praying to. If you read back in the beginning part of the passage, it said, And prayers were made without ceasing unto God for him. That means the object of prayer is what gives it power. God. Without God, it's emptiness. Listen, God showed up in the prison that night. God did what only he could do. Because of who they were praying to, there's power in prayer. And when we go to the Lord in prayer, understand we're not praying to a statue God. We're not praying to Allah. We're not praying to Buddha. We're not praying to some uh, little uh, statue or some imitation God. We're talking about the creator of all the universe. The one that spoke everything into existence. You know, it bothers me that we can, uh, we can ask God and, and trust God to forgive us of our sins and save us from hell. But we can't expect him to provide for us and take care of our issues. Listen, there's power in prayer because of the object of who we're praying to. Prayer is powerful. Prayer is productive. It produces results. Second Chronicles 7.14 said, If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray, and seek my face and turn from their wicked way, he said, Then will I hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. Listen, prayer today is still as productive as it's ever been. When they're praying there in the book of Acts for Peter to be a God to do a miracle and, uh, and to get him out of prison and God did all of that, that same God can still work today. The God that Elijah said, pray down fire from heaven and he called down the fire from heaven, that same God is still in existence today. And we need to understand that there's power in prayer because of the object of it, but it's productive when we go to the Lord in prayer. It, it's productive. It produces results. 
Why do you think people get saved? Because people are praying. People are praying. They hear the word of God. I remember my mom praying for my uncle for years and 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 years for him to be saved. I remember that. And by his testimony, he's trusted Christ as a savior. He says he is. I don't know for sure because some of the things he says, but that's between him and the Lord. I'm not judge over that. But you know what? We keep praying. We have another uncle out in uh, Uncle Gary out in Nevada area that's lost. And you know what? We keep going to the Lord for it. My whole life, I've heard my mom pray for my Uncle Gary, but we still pray for it. My kids still pray for it. Why? Because God's powerful and it's productive when you pray. I think oftentimes we, we quit praying one prayer too soon sometimes. We think, well, it's just an impossible situation. I don't think God's going to do it. And so we just stop. We just stop. Did you understand there were some expectations that God had for you when you pray? 2 Chronicles 7.14 shows those things. First thing is humility. Humbling ourselves before the Lord. To humble yourselves means you've got to get clean before God. Remember, if we regard iniquity in our heart, the Lord will not hear us. Prayer is powerful because the object of who we're praying to, but it's productive. You know what it does? It produces first a clean life. The right kind of prayer produces a clean life because you're going to it humbly. And if you go to it humbly, what that means is you're getting rid of self and exalting God. You're getting rid of sin and allowing the righteousness of God to shine through you. That's effective prayer. He said, humble themselves and pray. You know why God didn't say be proud and pray? Because he resists the proud. So if God's going to hear our prayers, they've got to be humble prayers. But you know what? It's not just humbling ourselves and praying. He says, and seeking his face. Desiring him with a repentant heart turning from our wicked way. He said, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin. And heal their land. Listen, prayer is productive. It produces things. I want you to think about something. Our belief, remember when he talked about belief, if thou believest, how you have to pray believing? You know that happens with salvation? He talks about believing in your heart. And with the mouth, confession is made into salvation. You got to have belief because you can't be saved just by empty words. They've got to have belief inside of your heart. You can say some words that really have no belief behind them, and you're lost. But if you say those words with a believing heart, it was the believing heart that helped you be saved. Do you understand that? We have to believe. Believe in what? The death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus. That's the gospel. Believing we're sinners for all of sin and come short of the glory of God. Believing our sin had a penalty. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Believing that in our sin, God loved us so much that he commended his love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Believing those things. Believing that he was buried and that he rose again on the third day uh, with the keys of death and hell. Offering life everlasting to anyone who will freely receive it. And when the Bible says uh, that when you, uh, the, with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made into salvation. What that prayer is all about, it's just outwardly speaking the belief that's already taking place inside of us. you got to have belief in the Lord. It's productive. It's productive. But in this productive prayer, how am I supposed to pray? I believe first we're supposed to pray patiently. Pray patiently. Waiting 
on God in God's timing. I think we have this fast food religion mentality. We want everything right now. When I pray, God, if you don't answer me immediately, you must not be listening to me. God, you must hate me because you're not listening to what I have to say because you didn't answer my prayer before I even finished it. God, you already know what I'm going to pray. Why didn't you just answer it already? And that's kind of our mindset when we go to the Lord oftentimes. But we don't, we don't like that word patience. We don't like to pray patiently about things. Waiting on God, allowing God to work in His timetable, not ours. When they went to the Lord in prayer in that uh, that house praying for Peter to be released or for God to do a miracle, they didn't expect it to happen that quickly. I believe they didn't even think it was going to happen. That's why they were so amazed when Peter showed up at the door. But oftentimes we'll go to the Lord in prayer and we'll say, Lord, please save this person. And we're waiting, waiting while we've been praying. And we prayed one time we never heard anything about it. Lord, why didn't you answer my prayer? I know you want all men to be saved. Listen, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much fervency passionate about what we're doing with a fervent heart towards it but it's something that happens continually praying over and over patiently waiting for the lord you remember what paul asked the lord about that thorn in his flesh he asked him to remove it he said but his grace was sufficient for him he said no i'm not going to remove it whoa we don't want that answer god that's not, what I, that's not what I had in mind. But we need to be patient and wait on God. Be patient about it. Sometimes there's things in our hearts that we pray about and we think, well, God, there's no way it can happen. So we just give up on it. Listen, be patient. Pray without ceasing. And let God do what God does best. So we need to pray patiently. We need to pray persistently. Continuing on in it. Carrying on, carrying on, carrying on, carrying on. Keep praying. So prayer is powerful. Prayer is productive. But look again at Matthew 21. Matthew 21. Verse 21 again, and Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily, verily, or verily I say unto you, if ye have faith and doubt not, ye shall not only do this which is done to the fig tree, but also if ye shall say unto the mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, it shall be done. And all things whatsoever ye ask in prayer, believing, ye shall receive. You know what? Prayer ought to be positive. Ought to be positive. You say, what do you mean? Having a believing attitude when you're praying a positive spirit about it when you pray not lord that's never going to happen but i'm praying anyway no have a positive spirit god i'm going to rejoice when you answer this prayer having that mindset god i know you're going to do it god i may not ever even see it in this lifetime but i know you're going to do it god i'm going to give you the glory already be positive about it Rather than the woe is me, the poochy lip disease type prayer. Why don't we go to the Lord with a positive spirit? God, I know you're going to do it. God, I don't know how. I don't understand your ways all the time. But God, I'm going to give you the glory for what you're going to do already. See, if you pray the will of God, you can have a positive outlook on the prayer. 
when you pray your will, it's not easy to be positive about it because we're pretty negative type people, aren't we? When we get in the flesh, we're negative. But if we pray the will of God, we can be positive for it. Because guess what? The will of God's going to be done. The will of God's going to be done. So if we pray the will of God, we just rejoice in it because it's going to happen. God, whatever you want done, let it be done. And you know what? We can rejoice. Because guess what? What God wants done will be done. Will be done. When we have a sickness, if God wants to heal us, it's going to happen. If God doesn't, it won't. We just have to accept it. We have to accept God's way is best. And we don't understand that always, but his ways are above ours and his thoughts are above ours. And by the way, when we got saved, we were bought with a price. We belong to him. Who are we to tell him what to do with his possession? We belong to him. We don't understand it. A friend of mine, pastor friend of mine in Ohio, was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And they told him that he wasn't ever going to get out of it. He said, they said, it's just going to get worse and worse. Even with chemo, I don't think there's anything we can really do for you. And I asked him one day, I said, well, how do you feel about that? He said, well, at first I was a little upset. He said, but then I read that verse, I was bought with a price. He said, I realized my body's not mine, it's God's. And if God wants me to have cancer, then that's what I'm going to have. If God doesn't, then I won't. He said, you know what, that helps me to have joy because I know it's all about his will, not mine. You know what, that was pretty convicting to me. Because I thought, you know, we always want the easy road, don't we? We want the easy life. And I can't remember if it was D.L. Moody or um, somebody, but I read a, a quote. Somebody sent him a letter and said, we want to come to where you're at. What's the easy? Oh, it was Brother David Livingston, I believe it was, when he was out there on the mission field doing a work. Somebody wrote him a letter said, Mr. Livingston, said, we want to come to where you are. What's the easiest way to get there? He responded back. He said, I'm not looking for someone that wants the easy way. I'm looking for someone that'll make their own way if they have to. And I got to thinking about that. You know what? We always want the easy way out. We want God to help us with the easy way. But it's during those mountain top, those mountain climbing experiences where God strengthens us. You understand what valleys are for? We, we don't like being in a valley. We say, man, we're in a dark valley. But show me in the Bible where they ever got strength and sustenance on the mountain. They always got their food in the valley. Think of Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down where? In green pastures. Where's that at? In a valley. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil for thou art with me. All this stuff, the green grasses, the still waters, everything that the sheep needed happened in the valley so they could have strength and endurance to get up the mountain. You know what? When we go through valleys, God allows us to go through that because that's where he's going to feed us and help us as we climb that mountain to gain strength. We want the mountaintop experiences, but without the valleys, we don't appreciate the mountains. Listen, let's just pray with a positive attitude. A positive spirit, rejoicing, asking God for something, but listen, saying, God, not my will, but thine be done. And God, I'm just going to rejoice in, in your answer to your will. That'll help us a lot in our prayer life. See, when Peter, in Acts chapter 12, he said he 
verse 17, But he beckoned unto them with a hand to hold their peace and declared unto them how the Lord had brought him out of prison. He gave God the glory and God the credit for something they didn't understand. He said, Go show these things to the people. Verse 18, Now as soon as it was day, there was no small stir among the soldiers what was become of Peter. And when Herod had sought for him and found him not, he examined the keepers and commanded that they should be put to death. And he went down from Judea and Caesarea and there abode. And Herod was highly displeased with them and Tyre and Sidon. But they came with one accord to him. Having made Blastus King's Chamberlain their friend, desired peace because their country was nourished by the king's country. And upon a set day, Herod, arrayed in royal apparel, sat upon his throne and made oration unto them. And the people gave a shout, saying, It is the voice of a god and not of, ma- uh, not of a man. And immediately the angel of the Lord smote him, because he gave not God the glory. Do you see that? They smote him. Why? Because he gave not God the glory. Listen, we've got to be careful not to give God the glory for answered prayers. We've got to be careful not to give God glory. When God does something, we ought to rejoice over it. We ought to give God the glory for that answered prayer, and we've got to tell everybody about it. Why? Because then others will see what God's able to do, and it will help increase their faith. Listen, we still serve a God that answers prayer. I know we sometimes go through valleys. I know sometimes we, we don't understand really why circumstances happen. We don't understand why tragedy happens in our church, why turmoil breaks out sometimes, and we just think, what's happening? Why is all this taking place? Listen, it's not, God never promised to tell us why. God just said, trust me. Just trust me. And live a life that's clean so that you're not hindering God from answering prayers and pray believing with a believing heart because there's power in prayer. Prayer's productive. And listen, we just pray positively, patiently, persistently. Why? Because God will answer prayer. You know, he delights in answering our prayers. God delights in that. He delights in being able to answer. I delight in being able to do things for my kids. I I delight in that. God delights in it way more than we delight in it because he loves us. Listen, let's never forget what prayer is all about. 2020, first day of 2020. We have New Year's resolutions and all those things, but I'll tell you what's going to turn our nation around, what's going to send revival back to our nation is people that really learn how to pray. And what prayer is all about. Because I, you know what God's will is? That everybody goes to heaven. That's God's will. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God wants them all to go to heaven. So how do we see more people saved? Pray. Pray. Go to, the God, go to God with a broken heart over it. A sincere heart. And rejoice already in those that are going to be saved. Because we know it's going to happen. Why? Because he said, he that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, would doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. We can already rejoice in folks that are going to be saved. People on that list, I wonder, that list of names that I read out to you during this message, I wonder, are we already going to rejoice over those that are going to be saved? Because it's going to happen. 
if we're faithful in doing what we're supposed to do. We may not get to lead them to Christ, but somebody will because God wants them to be saved. Do I think all of them are going to go to heaven? Don't know. I would like them to. But you know what? If I pray with attitude, oh, it's probably not going to happen. I might be hindering the Lord. Guess what? I believe every one of them can be saved. You know why? Because God saved you and God saved me. And if he can save us, he can save them. And that's the mindset we ought to keep. God can still answer prayer. What is it in your life that you kind of gave up on? Maybe there's something in your life that's hindering God from answering prayer. Won't you get that right tonight? With our heads bowed and eyes closed.